0: This is the Oil Country Podcast,
1: presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere.
0: Hello, 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 Oilers fans! Welcome back to another episode of the Oil Country Podcast. My raspy ass is John, and joining me with the uh, the smooth as butter voice is Kyle. Kyle, how are you doing, man?
1: Yeah, I'm all right, buddy. Uh, Bit of a rush around this weekend. I had to run up to Rimouski, which is uh, about six hours away from Montreal, there and back. Or sorry, I guess each way. Uh, Had a funeral we had to attend. Unfortunately, Marion's, my girlfriend's um, uncle, um, passed away like in April. But because of COVID, we couldn't do it. And we were fortunately able to go, even though cases were coming up here in Quebec again, but, uh, you know, we made the best of it. It was still, we tried to celebrate his, celebrate, sorry, his life. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, it was, it was still a good weekend. So how was yours? Good.
0: I'm, I'm glad it went smoothly. I mean, all things considered, like we were kind of saying off air, nobody, you know, no one ever enjoys going to a funeral, but try and make the best of it. And-
1: I mean, this guy too, like, I, I mean, it was like, he passed away very suddenly he got cancer and, and it was like quite quick um but but the guy himself was he was an incredible person like an amazing cook he he always loved to like entertain so right i, I don't know every, everybody like it, it wasn't very sad you know like there wasn't a lot of tears shed in a good way i guess so right like it, it, was, it was a good weekend yeah.
0: more of that celebration of life style yeah. than
1: exactly a few like games played and and shit at night you know like yeah it was it was it was good weekend yeah you
0: know? yeah nice um well yeah no I'm, I'm glad that uh i'm glad that went smoothly for you um and i'm glad you made it back in time to uh record a quick podcast here and we're uh, we're approaching the draft as well as free agency but before we get into any of that and we're not we're not going to touch on it a ton this episode um but i did want to just Let everyone know that we have SPR, the Oil Night, coming on next weekend. Um, Super excited to talk to him. Draft extraordinaire. So, looking forward to his his take on where the Oilers should should go when that draft starts, as well as uh, any other prospects, and who he's high on, who he's low on, and everything in between. Um, Big news as far as the Oilers go, though, Kyle, is... What I am deeming, dubbing the Dryfecta. I'm, I'm, having, I'm having a tough time catching it on, or getting it to catch on. But <laughs> Leon Dreisaitl, we already knew he won the Art Ross well before, but last Monday was awarded both the Hart and the Ted Lindsay, which I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit surprised. I thought he'd win one for sure. And I'm not saying he didn't deserve both, because I do think he deserved both. He had one of the most impressive statistical season offensively in the current era and recent memory in hockey. Um, were you surprised? I at was all?
1: expecting him to get the heart, but the Ted Lindsay just kind of backed it right up, you know? Like made it yeah. more official. Yeah. I, um, I value
0: the Ted Lindsay more, in my opinion.
1: I cannot believe how many haters are out there against dry though. I mean, we hated when Hall got it over McDavid, of course. Yeah. Which was like the whole you know, didn't make the playoffs effect. And of course this year was different, but you know, like not to turn down Panarin or or McKinnon in any respect. They're incredible players, but I mean, I kind of think it was clear cut, not even trying to be biased. Like the stats were way heavy in Drysettle's favor. And if you watch the team at all this season and it didn't just go to the straight up, you know, McDavid carries the entire team. And of course he's good because he plays McDavid all the time, which he doesn't. will carry the team for them, you know, not majority, but for a good portion of this season.
0: And he was, was our most valuable player this year
1: by far, right? Like by far. So uh, yeah, it's, it, I mean, the heart was, was a standout for sure. Like I thought that was coming, but yeah, just to get nominated by everybody else in the league too. Like, you know.
0: Yeah. I, yeah. I think that th- like, you know, we're going to get into the professional hockey writers association here, but specifically talking about dry I understand the knocks against him and the advanced stats defensively do not paint a pretty picture. Like, it's astounding how much of a negative impact those that picture is painted for Dry Settle's defensive game, and I mean watching and not being a huge advanced stats guy. And not that I don't believe in them, I'll I'll just be completely honest. I don't know enough about them. But I don't like. I'm I'm an average fan when it comes to advanced stats, but one of the big knocks was like the defense. And then people look at McKinnon, and they say, well, look, how many injuries Colorado had over this year. McKinnon was their most valuable player. And I, I agree, he was their most valuable player. But he's also got way more support from the defensive end. Well, and, and when you look uh, and, at the... And that,
1: offensive, too. like.
0: Well, I mean, Ladiskov was out for a good Landis-Gogg, chunk of the year. Like, Rantanen was out for a good chunk of the year.
1: For sure. Like, they were injury-plagued, injury but... Uh, I mean, he overall has a deeper roster than the Oilers did.
0: For sure. And, and, yeah. and here's my point, Kyle, is when everybody that was pro-McKinnon brought the, oh, well, look how big the point gap is for McKinnon to the next forward. And it's like, yeah, all, all your impact players played like 40 games. Of course, there's going to be a, a huge gap where you look at like the percentage, the point share. McKinnon was involved in, like, 34%, something like that. Dreisaitl was, like, 48% of the Oilers. So it's like, I don't understand how this point gap is substantial. Like, I understand why it's substantial, but I don't know why that's the reason to give him the heart. Like, of course he had way more points. All their other impact missed players missed a ton of time.
1: Well, John, like, how's that even an argument, considering our team? Like, excluding McDavid... Nugent Hopkins is the closest to 61. So that's 49-point difference. Yeah. And then you have Cassian at 34 and Clefbaum at 34.
0: Yikes, we need more depth.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's 76 points to the and to the y- fourth. Y- yeah,
0: Mamoto would have been on pace for like for sure,
1: but it, the it stats the not there like, to fucking have that argument about yo, it. Yo, for sure. So it's just like, well, how is that even in any league, a, a comparison, like, eh, that's just a ridiculous stat to, to pull out. And, and I kind of just think that even speaks more to dry settle, right? He had to do that with, I mean, like a, a bunch of plugs, quote unquote, right? Like and- he doesn't have star people to work with as does McDavid, right? This team needs a solid top six and it's not there. Whereas at least Colorado has a foundation that they're working with kind of in the forward and defensive unit.
0: And they had some guys who was at, like, Birakovsky this year that... Is that... Am I saying the right name there? yeah. Yeah, he had, like, an unreal year. Like, he had other guys step up where, like, we really had Yamamoto that took a step forward. And obviously, a good chunk of Dry Settles' points came there. And a good chunk of his points came on the power play. But, like, he's also huge roles of both of those things. It's not like he's getting, like, drug along. Like, we're... No disrespect, but, like, you look at Neil and, like... Is Neil a legitimate 20 goal scorer right now, or was he on one of the best power plays of all time?
1: Well, I mean we just talked about that. I think it's more so there you go. Yeah.
0: yeah. (laughs) And the other thing with like the defensive knock on Dry you remember how bad December was for the Oilers? Absolutely. And I know this is cherry picking, but if you remove December, like that that whole span, Dry has very comparable defensive metrics. To McKinnon, to Panarin. It's like, it's not like those guys are like world beaters of defensive players. Like, they're McKinnon's probably on average a better defender than Drysidel. But like I thought he made strides this year defensively. He's showing commitment to it. Is he an elite defender? No. Don't listen back to our episodes where we were talking about him being a Selkie nominee. Because I mean, we were just high on hype at that point. But still, like He's really not that bad of a defender. Like, our whole team had a god-awful month. And it, it knocks all of our metrics way down. And I know it's not really fair to be like, oh, well, like just pretend that never happened. But, like, literally, like, six of the seven months this season, he was an average defender. Um, any other points on Dreisaitl? That That was all I really had. I still got lots more about the awards, though.
1: I... <laughs> I, I mean, I not really, I don't know. I, I just still think like the kid has a lot to learn. like he's still coming into his prime age. He's he's 24 now. he turns 25 in, in just under a month, I'm pretty sure at the end of October. and uh, and yeah, I mean the, the kid still is learning and I think like you're you're right on the money. like I think he he did improve over his defensive game over the course of the season. And I do think that, although yeah, McKinnon does have a better two way game for sure over the it's course. It's not of this that season, much better though. Dry settle, I, I think took it, and I think it was still like, it, it's not like McKinnon was not close. I just think it was clear cut that Dry settle was the best in the league this season. That's it. Yeah,
0: I mean, like it's not knocking
1: anybody. Like it, it's literally, it's, it's amazing to even be nominated. Like that's not a knock.
0: Oh, for yeah. sure. I mean,
1: yeah.
0: like straight up, I'll, I'll say this as like trying to be objective. If you went fantasy draft mode and you were building a team around one player, my first answer would be my Mac, or be McDavid. My second answer would be McKinnon. And I think Dreisaitl is yeah. close, but I think like as far as skill and completeness, I do think McKinnon may be a step ahead. Now, that's based off their careers, not this year. This year, Dreisaitl was the better player. And mm-hmm. I mean, he's also younger, so maybe I should reevaluate that take of not taking Settle second. I mean, I don't know. But, yeah. My, my biggest point, and I can't stress this enough, Dryfacta, I, I think it's perfect. And nobody... I, I Honestly, I was a little bit dejected, Kyle. Like, I I thought that tweet was going to blow up. (laughs) I should have posted (laughs) it to Reddit. Those Gens would have got it.
1: For sure. Absolutely.
0: Okay. Sticking to the awards. Uh, Just a quick mention. McDavid, fifth in heart voting. So, awesome to have two guys in the top five. I mean, I think we have two of the best players in the world. Two top three players. Two top two players, maybe, as far as forwards go. So, not a huge surprise, but... Interesting to see that in the year where, like, Dry, I mean, didn't, like, far and away run away with it, but won definitively, and you saw his teammate right there, McDavid, after coming off a significant knee injury as well as missing a span of, like, seven or eight games. So, awesome to see. Now, our boy, Ethan Bear, got some love as well. One third-place vote, one fourth-place vote, and one fifth-place vote. So I don't think either of us were expecting him to challenge Kale McCarr Absolutely or not. Quinn Hughes, <laughs> but
1: just even the chances, is, yeah. is is nice to see that people recognize his play. Yeah. And not, I mean, not even necessarily a chance, like obviously not, but just that you know he's at least being commended in some way. He, he's yeah. in the top ten, right? Yeah.
0: He d- he deserves some recognition at the end of the day. So yeah. I I need to I'm gonna try not to rant here, but. Like I said, I want to discuss the Professional Hockey Writers Association and their voting. So, I know, I think the dude's name is Dom and then he's got a wild ass last name. He writes for The Athletic. Now, he shockingly left Dreisaitl off his top five. And you know what? I commend him. Because the reason I commend him is that he had a pretty legitimate, rational, well-thought-out argument as to why he didn't think Dry it was a top-five player. So, we can disagree with him, but hey, at the end of the day, he's a professional writer, he did his homework, he had some legitimate reasons, and like, I'll respect that, 100%. He got a lot of flack, and I'm like, I don't think it was deserved whatsoever. He had a complete good argument, but I'll stop repeating myself there. Now. I'm going to list off a few names for different awards and let me know if you disagree and that you think any of these names deserve to be in this conversation for the Calder. Adam Fox, although he deserved top five finish, he had a really good year. He received a first place vote. Now there is a professional hockey writer that after watching this season thought Adam Fox was more deserving than Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr. He was the only writer in the whole association that didn't have a first vote for one of those two guys.
1: I mean, obviously not. He's not first. He's a great defenseman. And I think he has an incredible future in front of him. Um, Especially in New York where like, holy fuck. But yeah. But yeah, I mean, I would have put him um, four to six range. Right? Yeah, I think he like, finished
0: fourth or fifth, which is like yeah. perfectly respectable, especially in like a really good year. Like, you're a stud D man in a year where,
1: but two I mean, in media, D-man there's obviously bias to th- too. You're going to get first overall picks from people that just want to see their guy go.
0: So, like, okay, that, and that's I, I'm specifically not naming who these people are cuz I didn't really want to put them on blast. I just wanted to more have a discussion about it. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know off the top of my head but I'm going to vastly assume that that's a New York writer. So yeah, I'm Is that I'm is guessing, that not like a professionalism issue? And and straight up, I think there's I think there's Oilers writers either on the Athletic or other publications that voted for Driiscoll as the heart and if they looked at it objectively, may not have voted for Driiscoll. And I think that's an issue too, as much as I think he deserved
1: it. Now... I mean, dude, John, okay, the K out of the entire rest of the Calder nominees that were out there in the top 13 players, right? That's including Dominic Kublik in third, followed by Merzlikins, Blackwood, Olsen, Marino, Suzuki, Bear, Gurionov, Samsonov, and Wah. Not one other player received a first nomination except for karen hughes
0: that's what i'm saying like it literally karen hughes got all of them and then adam fox got one like that guy as a professional writer should defend himself like you better have a goddamn good reason because at the end of the day like you can say these awards don't really matter but you you know what it matters to is these players legacy like and and don't get me wrong, vote, voting for Adam Fox is not going to hurt McCarr or Hughes's legacy at all. But y- you've got to take this seriously at the end of the day. Like, this is part of your job. You're getting paid to follow hockey, inform yourself, and spread that op- and share that opinion. And I I just, like, I, I'm not trying to, like, jump in on cancel culture. Like, I don't think these people should, like, lose their job. But I'm like, there should, at the same time, be a little bit of accountability of, like, Hey, man, why did you vote for Adam Fox's first? Like, are you in there, like, trolling? Because, I mean, a lot of... Like, some of these players have bonuses tied to awards. Like, that you could lose someone a substantial amount of money. You could affect their legacy. Like, it doesn't matter, but at the same time, it does. So, some other players that stood out for the Hart Trophy, JT Miller got a vote. No disrespect to Canucks fans. Like... JT had a great year. Elias Pedersen also got votes. So did Markstrom. And I have no problem with those two, but I'm like, JT Miller, really? Like, was you have an argument that he was a top five most valuable player. The other one's for the Norris. Zdeno Chara, Torrey Krug, Doughty, and Tony D'Angelo. <laughs> like, Doughty hasn't been a top five D-man in like at least two years.
1: Not even close
0: he's still a good defenseman, but like he's, he's a shell of who he used to be.
1: Tory Krug
0: didn't have his best offensive year. Like he had like 49 points and like six goals. Get, Anthony like,
1: D'Angelo f- is another like New York writer. It seems like too, like he had a great up and coming year. He's not a bad defenseman at all. I mean, he's had his issues in the past, but he definitely looks like he's on the course for greatness. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, again like for sure has potential but like come on that's not a fucking norris vote
0: like and like chara yeah like 49 year old zadino chara are you are you like are we for reals right now (laughs) like what like don't get me wrong chara is like man it's nuts what he's doing at this age like he's a really good defenseman still and it's crazy but like top five defenseman in the league bro like you have a company that pays you to have good opinions I mean, about mean, his, hockey his and this partner is what McAvoy, i
1: would think even places like higher on that i like uh, i i don't know it's not like he's a bad defenseman by any means but how are you going to vote for that like i just don't get it yeah.
0: and like i had looked in the like reddit thread and there was a lot of boston fans discussing this and most of them seem to agree. Now, I mean by most of them, I mean like there was like five guys talking about this, so small sample size. But they were saying Chara was actually the better defenseman than Krug was this year. Like, as far as defense and being a defenseman. So, I'm like, okay, but like... And then they didn't disagree with me, but it's like... There's no way he's a top 5 D-man in the league, man. Like, give give your head a shake. I just... I... I don't know. I don't really know what I want from this, to be honest, Kyle. I just like, I feel like as part of your job, you should be informed and you should have to defend this. Like I want a legitimate argument. And if not, like, I don't know. I'm not going to jump into the cancel culture bullshit, but like, I don't have a ton of respect for somebody like that as like a hockey writer. And I'm sure they don't have a ton of respect for us if they heard our podcast. But like, the thing is, is we're a fucking amateur podcast. These guys are pro writers. I do digress. I said I wasn't gonna rant, and then I ranted, Kyle. So, what what what, what else is new? new I guess. New um, new. Um, let's uh, let's talk some more specific Euler stuff here. Um, and uh, yeah. Okay, Kyle. The topic that just will not go away. More noise surrounding the one and only Yassi Puljuhvi. Stoffer was tweeting about it kind of seem to be laying the groundwork with the fan base to expect Pugliarvi back. That was about a week ago. Now we have Kurt Levins predicting a contract for Yessi Pugliarvi in the next 10 days, somewhat around the one-year-for-one-million mark. I'm all about it. I think this is one of the best things that could happen for this team right now, assuming he comes back with the right attitude
1: well, and best thing for our team and probably work. best thing for that kid, too. I mean, it's a million dollars more than you make in Europe. And plus, he gets a chance to potentially play beside McDavid or Dreisaitl.
0: Yeah.
1: Like, you know, like, chances are he's making more money next year. And it has to be that kind of deal after what's happened. Yeah, there's so, no yeah. way you can give in term. Yeah, I think uh, like, I mean, it's just shortly above league minimum. It's a yeah, great deal. Solid one million, even round happy about it if that's what happens
0: this is why i'm so like say what you will about ken holland but this is why i'm so glad to have this guy like if we still had shirelli
1: oh he would be have been gone that for, sure, was, for like, pennies on the dollar yeah
0: three years for like well either trade him or like oh yes or he's baseline, only gonna yeah. come back for top six bunny. okay i guess we'll pay him six million a year like <laughs> just i uh man jesus but yeah I mean,
1: we're not getting into that, but yeah, no,
0: <laughs> I, uh, yeah, never again. Just a little bit of a dip, toe dip in there, but that that was it. Um, yeah, but I mean, I, I I completely agree with you, Kyle. This is the best thing for both sides, and I know there's a lot of fans that still really don't like Yesi, but I I mean, we need a right winger that can play with Connor, and in the sample sizes in the past. Yarvi, whether you thought he looked great or not the numbers all back up that McDavid scores more and Pujarvi scores more when they're together so
1: well and he had a decent season in Europe too gave him a bit of confidence back I know obviously there was issues in the room but probably as anything time heals most wounds and you know having the new management with Hall in there, new coach like chances are he comes back into that room and and for the most part, they probably accept him as long as he puts the work in, which you would hope that he's willing to do coming back to the NHL now probably knows what's expected of him. And I think it's probably going to work out for the best. I, w- I obviously am happy that there's no long-term signing happening for him. Like it's, it's perfect the way it is. And, and yeah, like even if he comes out as a mediocre forward in this, you know, and is like top nine out of, out of anything. It's, like good third It's trading him is away is going to be better with that value or, or even keeping him is going to be better than trading him away now or, or a year ago. Right. When all the media storm was coming about him, not even a year ago. Oh my God. Now this year's flown by. But, <laughs> but, it uh,
0: feels like the start of COVID was like 10 years ago for, <laughs>
1: for real, man. Yeah. Um, But yeah, no, I like, y- y- I don't think you can be mad at that.
0: No. I mean,
1: even if you trade him to another team, like for a one million dollar one year RFA that you're taking control of is really not that bad.
0: I mean, I think the big thing is too, is like all of the trade rumors are swirling around Yesi were all like similar players. but it was like a guy drafted 13th from like two years before or, Oh, this guy sure, that hasn't worked out from a yeah, year yeah. before. And it's like, okay, so we're going to trade our reclamation project for a guy that was drafted later. Didn't have as much pre-draft hype and is older and has yeah. like spent more time not being able to figure it out. Like at best, that's a dice roll. Like, why don't we just try and repair this relationship and see what we have? I mean, and Hey, there's another option of yes, he comes in, and he literally is not an NHL player, and at that point, it's probably a Yakubov situation where you're trading him for a third or fourth round pick, and, and hey, like that—that's part of the—that's part of the gamble with this. But like, I think the potential reward here is is so much higher than the risk at the end of the day for a one-year, one, $1 million-dollar contract. Um,
1: Shortly, I, I just I, want to say, shortly, just since you mentioned Yakupov, did you hear Brian Burke talking to him on Spin Chicklets a couple of weeks ago about Yakupov's um, interview for the first round?
0: Yeah, that was in like July or something, wasn't it? Or August? Yeah.
1: yeah I'm, I'm hell, trying to remember exactly yeah,
0: because I, I didn't I listened to that a while ago.
1: But yeah, like, <laughs> like a scout wanted to just punch him, apparently. I mean, I'm sure that's Burke exaggerating, of course. Yeah. But. And he said it was
0: like the worst prospect interview he ever had.
1: Yeah. Which again, I'm sure is banging on the history after that. But still, I thought it was kind of funny that it just went with it. Not that I like Burke by any means, but I was like, yeah, just more dicks that dicks. I'll take it.
0: Yeah. I hate to say this, but Burke has grown on me the last like year or two. Like, I don't, I really, mean, I really like, like, him like him in the like grumpy dislike grandpa dislike kind of
1: respect where it's like yeah. sitting on the porch, kind of getting pissed off at everybody else that's doing anything different than him. And but, I mean,
0: as an yeah. older dude, and as a guy that's pretty like seems pretty rough around the edges, he's really embraced his son coming out of the closet. And I don't well, even know too. if that's a proper term anymore. His son telling everyone sure, he was gay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry yeah. if that was. In, I don't even know if that's insensitive or not. I think but it's like, still a thing. Yeah. My my point is is, um, I actually gained a lot of respect for him and, like, when he was on Chicklets, and, and I found all that out. About that. Yeah. Sorry, what was yeah. that?
1: I was just saying, like, I gained a lot of respect for him as well when he was on chicklets and was talking about that and his son and and not only like accepted him but also like took it full swing and is you know emphatic about gay rights, right? So yeah. Um yeah, I mean he, I, he is a good person at heart. Like I don't not like him as a person. I just think he's you know he's the old grandpa sitting on the porch. You're kind of just like laugh at him and shrug him off. That's it. Yeah. But I'm so, happy that he's not a bad person at heart, I guess.
0: Exactly. And I mean, especially as someone that's famous and like in the media spotlight that Burke is, um, or part of the media spotlight, I guess you could say it would be pretty like easy for him to just like not talk about that for fear that maybe, or that hurts his reputation. Situation. And I mean, more so 10 or 15 years ago, but like, Hey, credit where credit is due. Like he owned that. He supported his son. He did the right thing at the end of the day. So Yeah. I gained a lot of respect, but, um, Oh, the last point I had with Puyarvi. Sorry. I'm, I've been working so much. I'm like uh, completely out of here.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure.
0: Um, someone reposted the video that McDavid had at the end of last season where he was talking about, like, I mean, more or less the, like be a part of the solution or fuck off. Um, they posted the longer clip of it and I'll try and find it and throw it on our Twitter because that little clip that's been like publicized or popularized and spread of him making it sound like it's like if you're not part of the solution, you need to get out. It was like very, how do I put this? It was very much more like everybody in this room is working towards the same thing And, like, he was talking about the negative pressure from the outside and, like, the, like, critics and everything. And then was, like, pretty much, like, hey, we're all on the same page. We're all working towards the thing. And he was answering the reporter's question at the end where he had had more or less asked him, like, what would that be like if someone was, like, not on board? And McDavid was simply answering it, like, if that was the case, like, get out. So... I don't know how much I read into the, like, oh, no one in the locker room liked Puyarvi. Like, I think there was definitely some maturity issues, but I don't know if it was quite to that. Oh, degree. I don't
1: know if it's, like, I, they hated him, for sure. I'm not saying that. It's just, yeah.
0: No, I know you weren't saying that. I'm just, like, man, everybody said that. Like, you you see that yeah. everywhere of, like, everyone just assumes that, like, there was some major issues between the core of the Oilers and Puyarvi.
1: Well, I think a lot of them thought that he should have put his time in the AHL, which he sh- should have right and was kind of gifted time that he didn't deserve potentially and and just shouldn't have been in that room and i mean he was
0: mismanaged at was not having success like, and <laughs> probably
1: was not enjoying his time there and like i i don't i don't even think it was like hateful it was just frustration that's it
0: i mean i'm just saying i think it might be overblown as to like actually how oh, well
1: 100% with the media does like as DRV. always
0: yeah but i mean like i said the biggest thing here is that he comes back with the right attitude as well as the team it like welcomes him back. I mean if those if those two things happen and the contract isn't bad, I, I think this is the best thing for the oilers right now. Um Athanasiu talk. So Frank Saravelli had said that there are teams that are interested in Andreas Athanasiu, but aren't willing to give up an asset to acquire his rights. Which I I had a good discussion on Twitter about this and I'm I'm kind of bounce different ways where I'm going to vastly assume that means two things. One teams don't think we're going to qualify him, which, which makes sense because reports came out about that. The other thing is there's no other teams that are going to qualify him. Like no one thinks he's a good enough bet to pay him $3 million this year to trade for his rights. Like you're not willing to give up an asset for a guy that put up what thirty or close to thirty the year before.
1: Yeah, I know. Like I just, I think the whole situation's just silly, to be honest. Like,
0: I mean, we we talked about this at length. Like we know. Yeah, we don't
1: need to get into it again. I just think that situation's silly. I think I think anybody who takes him, whether it's us or another team, will be well surprised by him next year.
0: I mean, I I tend to lean that way as well. Like. And, and don't get me wrong, like if you can get him for less than three, that's terrific. But are we going to really roll the dice on a player we just paid that much for? And and here's the biggest thing, Kyle. We need four top six wingers ideally. Right now we have two in Yamamoto and uh, Ryan Ingen Hopkins. Now, I don't think it, there's a legitimate argument out there that's saying Athens CU isn't the best potential fit in that top six. Now, he may never figure it out, but as far as the tools he has, he's the most suited for top six play. So, I I just, I don't understand how we're not going to pay that guy three million when we've been, we've been madly searching for top six wingers and now, you know, because of maybe an $800,000 overpay, we're going to let one we just paid for a walk or a potential one that we just paid for a walk. It, it makes no sense to me, but I'm just trying to be optimistic right now that Holland is going to like figure this out at the end of the day. And and they're either going to like, maybe he gets a two year deal at less than $3 million. So they give him a little bit of security. I, I mean, it's impossible to say without knowing what Athens wants.
1: Yeah, I, I, again, this is just a wait and see situation. Like I, I mean, if anything, the media kind of favors us for getting him as cheap as possible, but I mean, we still have to qualify him. Right. So. I mean, you qualify him. It's just a situation. Yeah. Yeah. I don't don't know, man. Like uh, I I'm happy to keep him. That's the the whole argument we're going to have about this.
0: No. And I mean, it's not much of an argument because I'm completely with you. (laughs) <laughs> and i hey I, inv- I invited people on i got crickets yeah got a couple of twitter dms but nobody disagreed so i mean it's not wildly surprising i mean i don't think we were saying anything groundbreaking but you you see a fair amount of i mean i don't want to say Athanasius you hate but Athanasius you criticism and i mean i understand he didn't have a good year it's a super small sample size like you don't judge a player's future off 13 games. That's just, that's bad asset management. In my uh,
1: exactly. Like, I mean, it's the same thing as, I mean, fucking Koskinen got double that when Tirelli gave him the contract and we criticized him for doing that over 27 games. Right. I mean, you just, you don't make choices that are drastic, even though that one. It's panned is out. out first, right? Yeah. I completely agree. Like I'm, I'm, yeah, like whatever. But I mean, like you don't make decisions that are drastic to your future with fucking 30 games played just because
0: Koskinen panned out doesn't mean that you're wrong there like at all that's still a bad bet like (laughs) yeah you just got lucky and I'm glad we got lucky because like man imagine if Koskinen was but I mean
1: you I mean even going back to that like you could assign him for way cheaper than oh yeah than what he is too right like I mean you can make that deal over 27 games sure but not for like like fuck off for four you, can, you could have again. either
0: been like, hey, if you want to be re signed, this is the number we have that we have confidence in with you. If not, yeah. play Otherwise, the rest of the year the and we'll see where we're at in four months. Like, like there's no sorry, reason did why he you have, need to make that decision. He, in he didn't even
1: have the season, like, of course, didn't have the season that he had last year, right? Like, it was, it was an off year for the Oilers the year before. We weren't going to make playoffs by any stretch, and he got that deal. Like, if it would have happened after this year, I would have been fine with it, of course. But, I mean, we could have easily got him for half. But, I mean, I, again, I, that's that's not the point of the conversation. But, yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. with know. It's frustrating to see also- the asset management that we've seen in this team year over year. And, and especially, like, the dead money that's on this team still. That's why I have faith in Holland to hopefully work us out of that and potentially get a deal for Neil instead of having to buy that out and just add to that. I mean, Which I think your best chance extremely of Neal is extremely important during this time. So, yeah, I, I got it, faith I in Holland. Sorry I I do too.
0: I I mean, I I'm still I'm 50 50 on whether they should buy O'Neill to be honest, but that can be uh, a, a further discussion with SPR on the next episode because I'm I'm really torn, but I want to see what he thinks about heading into the draft and uh, um, as well as free agency. So, um. The other other news, in oil country, uh, Sam Gagne signed a one year deal in Detroit. Honestly, I'm super stoked for Sam. I'm, I'm glad he's getting another contract, and I hate to say it because he's such a fan favorite and I love the guy, but I'm glad it's not in Edmonton. Like, I, I I feel like an asshole saying that. I just like we we can get better players.
1: Yeah, agreed. I'm happy for him though. Like he'll get a chance to play and probably get a decent shot at where he's gonna be. Yeah. But. I mean
0: you're playing with Detroit. So like he's going to play a pretty big leadership role there. You got to think that's really mm-hmm. the only thing that I wouldn't mind having him as like the 14th forward it is just his leadership in the room. But on the flip side, like, Hey, do you want to be the 14th forward in Edmonton? Or do you want to go be like a third line center or like a top six winger in Detroit? Like, I mean, I'd, I'd rather have him actually see a little bit of success and get to play out his career. Um, Legison, he was signed slash loaned to Sweden's second league, Alsvenskan. Um He does have an NHL opt-out. So he's another guy that's been in those trade rumors. Um, I don't really have too, too much to add as we're just like winding down here, Kyle, but I just thought that was worth worth mentioning. Um, Konovalov is my last point. Um, I know a lot of people are really hoping Askarov slips to the Oilers, and although I don't think that would be a terrible thing, I we might have a real one in Konovalov, man. He's uh, playing for a pretty poor team in the KHL. He's currently three two and zero in the first five games. Small sample size, I know. Uh, one point eight seven goals against average and a 0.944 save percentage. On like I, I was said, still excited when we picked him team. out.
1: I'm happy we have him in here. Yeah, I, I'm still taking Askarov any day for sure. But but I uh, mean, if he's there, yeah. Yeah, but I I doubt he is. I think he gets picked like a spot or two before us, but but I mean yeah,
0: see. I was seeing some people saying that like he could go in the top like seven or eight too. So
1: mm-hmm. I
0: mean he's a pretty highly touted goalie prospect, one of the higher higher, higher expected goalie prospects in, in recent memory. So um, and I mean I don't think we shouldn't take him. I just was more saying um I don't think we should be mega disappointed if he's not there at 14. Cause I I mean, goalies are voodoo, but it looks like Konovalov might be a real one in a couple of years. So, and we drafted him a little bit older, so he's not some, you know. Even though we just drafted him recently, it's not like he's some like nineteen, twenty year old kid. So yeah, um, yeah. But anything else you would like to add, Kyle?
1: No, I'm good, man.
0: We are gonna have a little bit of a shorter one, um, and focus on next week's episode as well as. Obviously, everything going on in in Kyle's life this weekend, um, not a dig whatsoever, but just sometimes there's some more important shit than, than podcasting. So uh, we're going to take it a little bit easy tonight. Um, definitely going to be checking out, uh, if I have time, that game six on this evening, Monday, when, when this podcast launches. Um, so yeah, thanks for joining me, Kyle, and hope everybody has a fantastic week.